How many of you on a Wednesday, you're rushing around to get to church because of work? Does anybody like that tonight? You rush around because of work? Well, I want to say I appreciate you doing your very best uh, to get here. And uh, we, uh, we believe that meeting together on a Wednesday night and having prayer together is extremely important. And uh, we're also thankful, though, that we can come and gather around the Word of God. And uh, has anybody here ever been in the uh, country of Africa? You ever been in the country of Africa? Yeah. And uh, I've been to Kenya, and uh, I'm bringing a point here. Uh, normal, most Kenyans uh, will have one meal a day. And, uh, you know, we're, we're normally, we're used to three meals a day and then a bunch of snacks. And... Uh, all that good stuff, sweets, right? And uh, we've got it galore. And uh, so when I was in Kenya, you know, I always like to find out about the culture and things. And so there, most Kenyans are lucky to have one meal a day. And, uh, you know, they live on one meal a day. But here in America, aren't you glad we get three meals a day if you cho- so choose to do so? But here's what's amazing. Um, that's why Wednesday night's so important because, you know... Uh, when, you, when you're a Christian, you get to feed on the Word of God by yourself. But, you know, when you come to church, you get to have a meal, a spiritual meal. And, you know, one reason why I believe we're spiritually anemic and weak in America is because people are not feeding enough. And I'm just going to be honest with you, there's not one person here that is eating one meal a week physically. You would be famished. You would not be healthy. But it's amazing how many Christians try to live on one meal a week. So, are y'all alive tonight? And uh, so, three meals. Wednesday night's a great opportunity to be in church, to have a good meal, and I hope and pray now. I'll uh, thankful we have a good recipe anyway, all right? Would you open your Bible tonight? We're going to look at a very common passage, or not a common passage, a well-known passage. We'd go to the book of Romans, Romans chapter 1, Romans chapter 1, and I just want to deal with three S's tonight, three S's. And uh, we find two of them here in the text, and I don't believe I would do it any injustice because uh, we're going to go uh, to another pastor scripture where the Apostle Paul was the human penman, and he also referred to Christians as one of these titles. We're going to look at some titles tonight of what Christians are, what they should be. In Romans chapter 1, we're introduced to two of these words. The first one is in the first verse. So Romans chapter 1, verse number 1, Paul does not mince words. He tells you exactly what he considers himself. And you imagine, probably one of the greatest Christians that's ever walked on the face of the earth, but he considered himself, look at me with verse 1 in Romans chapter 1. The Bible says Paul referred to himself as Paul, now notice this, a servant, a servant of Jesus Christ called to be an apostle, separated into the gospel of God which he had promised afore by his prophets in the Holy Scriptures, concerning his son Jesus Christ, our Lord, which was made of the seed of David according to the flesh, and declared to be the Son of God with power according to the Spirit of holiness by the resurrection from the dead, by whom we have received grace and apostleship for obedience to the faith among all nations for his name. Among whom are ye also the called of Jesus Christ. Notice verse 7. To all that be in Rome, beloved of God, I love this, called to be saints. 
Now, that's a word we don't use a whole lot today. When we look at someone else, we say a brother or a sister or someone that's a Christian. But to be honest, a Christian can be considered a saint. Notice what the Bible says here as we continue that verse. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 8. First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for you all. That your faith is spoken of throughout the whole world. Wouldn't that be a blessing if our faith here in Chattanooga, Tennessee would be spoken around the whole world? That's one reason why it's so important to support missionaries. We have an opportunity for our ministry to be worldwide. For God is my witness whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of his son that without ceasing I make mention of you always in my prayers. Making requests, if by any means, now at length, I might have a prosperous journey by the will of God to come unto you. Verse 11, for I long to see you. That, that's, a, that's an interesting word, long. We don't hear that a whole lot. But when we really, really love someone, we care for someone, we really value someone or something, and we miss somebody, we long for that person. And uh, he, he uses that wording here. He says, I long to see you. I long to see you. And then he says uh, in verse number 11, that I may impart unto you some spiritual gift to the end that ye may be established. That is, that I may be comforted together with you by the mutual faith, both of you and me. I want to just deal with this subject tonight. We find the first two in this passage. I love how Paul refers to himself as a servant. And then he refers to the Christians that he's writing to here as saints. And then we're going to go over to 1st and 2nd Timothy, another epistle uh, to a young pastor. And he refers to Christians as soldiers. So I just simply want to preach tonight on this. Servants, saints, and soldiers. Look at verse number 1. Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ. Now think about that. Now we're going to do a little bit of study on servants. What do we think about when we think about slavery? You know, we, we're told that our history books tell us that, uh, that our Civil War was fought because of slavery. It was not the only reason that the Civil War was fought. It was not just because of slavery. Uh, but we understand that the Bible tells us and teaches us as we look at the Bible, we understand that slavery uh, was very well, it was something that was, that, that was taking place and it was, very, it was a custom in Bible days for there to be slavery. There were people that were servants. Now, let's think about it just a little bit and I'd like for you to know what the Bible teaches about uh, someone that was a Jewish person that was bought as a slave. Because here's the, here's the idea. The Apostle Paul, probably the greatest missionary, very well may be the, very, the greatest missionary that's ever walked on the face of the earth, and he termed, he coined himself, referred to himself as a servant. And I don't know about you, but most people would not say, oh, well, what are you or who are you? Not most people are going to say, oh, yes, uh, we're definitely not going to put, uh, on, on a, if we're going to try to introduce ourselves in a letter, we're certainly not going to say, oh, Mark, you're a humble servant. No, you know what I'm normally going to do is I'm going to put something in there that makes me sound better. How many of you have ever wrote a resume and say, well, I just want you to know I'm qualified for the job because I'm just a lowly old servant? Nobody does that. That's not looked at today as someone, by the way, that's why some people get very upset and 
very mad about that because, man, when you talk about my great, great, great grandfather was a servant or a slave in America, that wasn't something that most people would be proud of. But this is amazing to me that the Apostle Paul terms the, gives the term and refers to himself as a slave. Now, what does that mean? Look at Deuteronomy chapter 15 and you'll, you'll understand a little bit more about the slavery in Bible days and especially in Jewish custom. Deuteronomy chapter 15. By the way, the Apostle Paul was referring to himself as a bond slave. A bond slave. There was a difference between a bond slave and just a slave. And we find that teaching here in Deuteronomy chapter 15. If you'll look with me at verse number 12, or actually we can look at uh, verse number, uh, yeah, verse number 12. Verse 12 of Deuteronomy chapter 15. Now here's the commandment that God gives of the law. Notice what the Bible says about slavery. And if thy brother, an Hebrew man or an Hebrew woman, be sold unto thee, and serve thee, notice this, six years. In the seventh year, thou shalt let him go free. So let him go free from thee. Look at verse 13. And when thou sendest him out free from thee, thou shalt not let him go away empty. So there was rules, laws, on if you had a Jewish slave, and on the seventh year you were to let that slave go free. And you were not just to let him go free, but you were sending him away with needs and things that he was in need of. Look at verse 14. Thou shalt furnish him liberally out of thy flock and out of thy floor and cut of thy winepress of that wherewith the Lord thy God hath blessed thee, thou shalt give unto him. Verse 15. And thou shalt remember that thou wast a bondman in the land of Egypt and the Lord thy God redeemed thee. Therefore I command thee this thing today. Notice this. And it shall be, if he say unto thee, I will not go away from thee, because he loveth thee and thine house, because he is well with thee. In other words, he said, now, you let this slave give a choice. You tell him, on the seventh year he can go free. But if that slave says to you, I love you, you're my master, I love your family, and I love being here, even that I'm here as a slave. Notice what the Bible said. Look at verse number uh, 17. Then thou shalt take an awl and thrust it through his ear unto the door and he shall be thy servant. Notice these next words. Forever. And also unto thy maidservant thou shalt do likewise. I want you to think about this a minute. Here's what's so beautiful about the Apostle Paul coining himself as a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ. Here's what he's saying. He's saying, I had a choice. He said, I have a choice. He said, I have a choice whether to be a servant and to serve the Lord Jesus Christ with my life. And I want you to know, and everyone that's reading this letter, I am a bond slave. And yes, the Lord let me go free. But he said, I love my master. And because I love my master, here's what's beautiful about this. He said, I choose to be a servant. I choose to be a servant. He wasn't made to be a servant. He'd already served his time. He said, I want you to know by choice, I am a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ. Why, Brother Paul? Because I love my master. See, tonight, can I just help everybody here? The reason the word servanthood is beautiful in the Christian life because we ought to love our master. 
You say, Pastor, why should we want to serve the Lord in the church? Because I love my master. Why should I give tithes unto the church? Why? Because I love my master. Why should I be loyal to the church and love the church family? Because I love my master and he's the founder of the church. See, everything should be volunteered. In other words, he said, I'm a volunteer. By the way, we're in the volunteer state. In other words, we've chosen to serve. We want to volunteer. That's exactly what the Apostle Paul said. He said, I'm volunteering to be a bond slave. Why, Brother Paul? Because I love my master. <laughs> now notice over there in Deuteronomy chapter 15, he said, not only do I love my master, here's what he said. He said, I love his family. And by the way, I just want y'all to know something. I love God's family. I love being a part of God's family. I'm glad that I have a church family. You say, Pastor Mark, why do you want to be a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ? Well, I love my master, but I'll be honest, I love my family. I love his family. No matter whether we're here, no matter whether we're, I mentioned Africa a moment ago, man, I love my brothers and sisters in Africa. I've got some dear, sweet friends and Christian brothers and sisters in Africa. We've got dear Christian family all around the world, and we ought to love God's family. And I want you to know something. Paul said, I'm volunteering. He said, I have a choice. He said, I love my master. He said, I'm going to serve him forever. See, so there's a lot in the word, isn't there? There's a lot in the title. When we go back to Deuteronomy chapter 15, and we learn what this bond slave is. He's been bought. He's been sold into slavery. And he has a choice seven years. Can you go out free? Yes, he can go out free. If you go out free, the master is supposed to send you out liberally for your needs. But he said, if you love your master, you're to stay there. And then he says you're to be marked. They took an all. Now, I'm going to say this to you. I'm glad we don't practice this. Amen. Somebody say amen. Say that a little louder. I'm just going to tell you all right now, ain't nobody putting an awl through my ear up against the door. I like my ears. And I don't need no holes in them either. Amen. But the, the point there is, though, is when they seen that marking on that slave, they realized this. That person was marked for life. And you know what? As Christians, as servants, we ought to be marked for life. We ought to be serving the Lord for life. So look, we ought to do it out of love. He said, why are you a servant? Why, why am I a servant? If you ask the Apostle Paul, well, why are you choosing to volunteer to serve as a servant uh, for the Lord? Because, boy, I love my master. Now let's talk about love a minute. Love. Think about it. Paul said, I'm volunteering to be a bond slave because I love my master. Now, would you with me just for a moment, would you go to the gospel according to John with me? And let's look at the very last chapter, John chapter 21. Would you look at it with me just for a moment? And I, I want to look at something here as we just look at this word love and this uh, action word love. Was not the Lord Jesus Christ. He had a very special meeting here this night with the disciples. And Peter was discouraged. We know that Peter went out, he'd done cursed the Lord and done denied him three times. And he went out and did what he was always normal, what he knew to do. He just went back to what he was doing. His Savior was gone. He had died. He watched him die. And now he's discouraged and he's going out here fishing. And, and so we know that the Lord comes and meets them that night. In verse 12, the Bible said in chapter 21, the gospel according to John, Jesus saith unto them, come and dine. And none of the disciples durst ask him. Who art thou knowing that it was the Lord? So at this point they knew it was the Lord. And Jesus then cometh 
and taketh bread and giveth them and fish likewise. And this is now the third time that Jesus showed himself to his disciples after that he was risen from the dead. Now I want you to notice, what is the subject that Jesus deals with with these disciples? These men that are going to turn the world upside down, what did he deal with them? Did he train them? Well, he had spent three and a half years training them, but the subject that needed to get nailed down, the motive that needed to get down was love. So he gets right to the heart of the matter. Verse 15, he says, So when they had dined, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Joseph, Jonas, lovest thou me more than these? Now that's an interesting phrase. He could have asked him a hundred questions right there. Simon, why in the middle of the fight, in the middle when you was there, you had been with me for three and a half years, and when I was being crucified and they asked you, were you affiliated with me? Why did you tell them no every time? He didn't ask him that. Now that's a problem, but there was a reason that was a problem. See, the Lord Jesus Christ dealt with the exact reason why he did not stand where he should have stood. He dealt with the real reason with this question. Here it is, y'all ready? He said, Simon, do you really love me? Because someone tell you right now, he said, if you love, little really love me, someone tell you what that love will do. That love will motivate you to feed my lambs. Then he asks him again, Simon, son of Jonas, verse sixteen, lovest thou me? Now, by the way, in verse fifteen, he said, lovest thou me more than these? And I'm going to be honest with you, I, people might have a different thought on this. Some say, do you love more than this, these other disciples do? I don't believe. I don't think the Lord's ever said something like that, comparing one love to another. He was obviously pointing that towards an object. And what was Peter out there doing? What had Peter went back to do? Something that he always knew. And I believe he personally was pointing to the fish. I don't know that for sure, but that's just my take. I've never seen the Lord ask someone, do you love me more than so-and-so? That's what the disciples was doing at the table. And the Lord rebuked them for that. So I don't believe the Lord was saying to them, do you love me more than these other disciples? The Lord wasn't asking him that. I believe the Lord was asking Simon, do you love me more than these, the fish? Because that's what he had done to make his livelihood. But then he asks him the second time, Do you lovest thou me, Jonah? Or uh, Jonas, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? And he said to him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He saith unto him, Feed my sheep. So he keeps it on the third time. He asks him again. Why? Love's a big deal. Right? If we're going to be the right kind of servant and we're going to serve, it's a choice. And normally that choice is because of love. The Apostle Paul said here, I am a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ. I love my master. That's why I'm serving him. So I say to you tonight, if you're a Christian, then you should be a servant. You ought to love your master. You ought to love your master so much that you're serving him by faith. You ought to be teaching. You ought to, look, if you're going to preach... Uh, you ought to preach because you love your master. If you're going to teach, you ought to teach because you love your master. If you're going to witness out in this world, it ought not be because, by the way, we ought to love people. But if you're only witnessing to people because you love people, you'll stop witnessing to people. Because not all people are lovable. See, the love, the love for the right person, the right motive, is what will help us to witness. Look to work. Uh, leave the results to him. Why? Because we love our master. We should be a servant. We ought to be volunteering to be servants for the Lord for the greatest motive. We love our master. How many of y'all love your master tonight? Servant. 
Number two, saints. Notice this, verse 7 in Romans chapter 1. Romans chapter 1. He, now he's referred to himself as a servant, but he's referred to his audience as saints. To all that be in Rome. I love this. Beloved of God. Called to be saints. Saints are the beloved of God. Beloved of God. Think about that. Now listen, we know this. He loves all people. We know God loves all people. The Bible says God is love. Why do we know that he loves all people? Because he, he died for all. He's died for all past, all present, all future. He took on the uh, sin of the whole world. He died that no one should perish. We know that he loves the whole world. There's not one soul, not one person. I do not care what color of skin they have, how short in stature they are, how tall they are, no matter if they're middle class. Look, it doesn't matter whether they're wealthy, whether they're low, uh, they're in, in poor. Uh, what's that when you're poor? Poor. Amen. There's another, there's another word there and I can't, I can't get it. But uh, nonetheless, poverty level. Maybe your poverty level. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if you live in a house that has seven rooms or you live in a house that has two rooms. It does not matter. It doesn't matter if you drive a Ford or a Chevy. Look at me. He loves all people. We know that. But I want you to know something. I truly believe, based on this passage of Scripture, the saints of God, they're beloved of God. What does that mean? It means He has a special love for those who what? Believe Him. Do y'all believe Him tonight? Have you believed Him? By the way, you cannot be saved unless you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. You're the beloved of God. There's a special love for those saints of God who believe Him. Think about this. Who rely on Him? There's a special love that God has for the saint, the one that is relying on him. Think about that. Think about this. He has a special love for those who believe him, rely on him, hear it, trust him. Do you know what you know what tickles me? You know what thrills my heart? Do you know what really helps me and encourages me? And I just have a special uh, a, a gratitude, and I can even say a special love for someone that just trusts me. I'm talking now just as a human being. Do you know what? I love when my children, even when they were young and even now as an adult, you know what? I love them. I have a special love when they trust me. It pleases me to know that I have people in my life that trust me. It pleases me as a human being when I know someone relies on me. It gives me a special peace and a special love when someone that I know and love that absolutely believes me. There's a special bond there between even human people that we can have that kind of a relationship with one another. So the Lord is saying to us as saints, you are beloved of God. I have a special love. He said, I'm pleased when you depend upon me, when you trust me, when you are believing me, when you rely on me. He says, you're the saints of God. He said, I, you are beloved to me. I have a special love, especially for the household of faith. Now, can I say to all of y'all tonight, how many of y'all are a Christian? Would you say amen? So you're a saint. And I want you to know tonight, I'm sad to tell you this, you already know this, but the world really don't think much of you. The world really don't think much of you. And you say, oh, pastor, not well, 
let me, let me give y'all a test. If y'all get on the national news and just share your testimony and what you feel about the Lord and what's going on in this world today, I'm going to promise you this right now, you're going to get some of the biggest hate mail you've ever seen in your life. I remember years ago, years ago, years ago, Jerry Falwell used to get on national news, and I mean, he would take a blast. I mean, he would stand on there, and he would stand for, the, for morality, and he'd stand there for the Lord Jesus Christ, and man, he would get on those news, on those media, and I mean, he would stand firm, and I mean, those people would be railing at him. They'd be saying awful, nasty things to him, and I'll never forget one day, old Sean Hannity asked him, he said, Mr. Falwell, can I just ask you a question? What in the world? Are you getting on here and taking this abuse for? He says, well, number one, I have an opportunity to stand for my Lord. But he said, number two, uh, Sean, what happens is I get paid for doing this and I put it all back in the ministry. But look, just because, look, those people didn't know Jerry Falwell's purse. They didn't know what kind of a man he was. They didn't know that he had spent his whole life, whether I agree with everything he did there or not. I want you to know something. They didn't know his personal, how, how he dealt with his family. He didn't know how much money and time and everything that he had sacrificed for people and how he had changed, really, the whole city of Lynchburg, Virginia. They didn't know all of that. They didn't care. They hated him because they disagreed with him. See, the saints, if we stand for the Lord, listen to me, we're not always going to be loved by the world. But I am so thankful for this tonight. I want to give you all some good news. We might not be liked, Brother Don, by the world, but I want you all to know based on this passage of Scripture tonight, we're loved by Him. We're beloved of God. We're beloved of God. Hey, listen to me. The world's not always kind to us. They're not always kind to the saints. But, oh, know this, God loves His. I don't know about y'all, that helps me. Hey, you might be in a hard place tonight. Hey, you, you might be in a tough place tonight. I don't know. Look, I'm going to say this. I've learned this. I learned this this week. There are people that are hurting, and I didn't know anything about it. For probably every one problem that I hear, there's probably someone in this building that's struggling, and you never voice it to anybody. I have a feeling tonight, probably in this building, a good majority of people are grieving tonight over something. You might be in a hard place, but I want to just encourage you tonight. You're loved. You're not alone. You're, you're loved. You're, you might be despised by the world, but I want you to know something. If you're a saint, you are beloved of God. I don't know about y'all. That encourages me. You might be in a hard place, but I want you to know. Hey, you might not have the peace of the world. <laughs> You know, the peace, the peace of the world is kind of fickle, you know. It's, sometimes I'm happy, sometimes I'm blue. My disposition depends on you. Think about that. But I'm thankful tonight. Look, we can, we can praise his name. You know why? Because we might not have the peace of this world, but I'm going to tell you what we can have, the peace of God. So we see that he referred to himself as a servant of Jesus Christ. He said, I choose to be a servant because why, Brother Paul? Because I, I love my master. But then he says in verse 7, he said, I'm writing to all of you that are in Rome. You're the beloved of God. Why? Because you're a saint. I love a saint. I'm glad we ought to say, hey, could you imagine? Uh, I'm looking back at uh, uh, Brother Doug tonight. Doug, Brother uh, uh, Saint, Saint Doug. Amen. Saint Clay. Now what do we do? We say Brother Clay. 
St. Bruce. That's got a ring to it. No, well, we do. We say, brother. But that's what he says to all the saints. If I was going to write a letter to Tiff Toadie Baptist Church, here's what I'm going to do. Maybe when I start doing these uh, one calls, amen, I'm going to say to all the saints. Ah, that's a good one. To all the saints at Tiff Tony Baptist Church. That's, that's going to be my new phrase for the one call. <laughs> Y'all just straighten up your halos now, all right? So then we find, go with me to 1 Timothy Chapter 6. Now, this is the same human penman. We know all of this is under the inspiration of God. But in 1 Timothy, I want to close with this tonight. In chapter 6, verse number 12, he refers to his audience in this passage of Scripture. And his audience happens to be a young man by the name of Timothy. And we know, we are told that Timothy was a pastor. But whether he was a pastor or not, we know this. We know he was a preacher. We know he was a servant of God. We know that he'd given his life to serve the Lord. And so if you're going to give your life to serve the Lord and you're going to be in the ministry, I'm going to tell you something right now. You're going to be considered a soldier if you're going to do the thing right. Because this is the part of being a Christian and being in the ministry that nobody really likes to talk about. But in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 12, I want you to notice the wording that he gives this young man. Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life whereunto thou art also called and has professed a good profession before many witnesses. Now, verse 12 tells us, fight the good fight of faith. Now, I want you quickly, if you would, turn to 2 Timothy chapter 2 to the same young man. And he gives kind of the same wording here. He referred to himself as a servant in Romans chapter 1. He referred to the ones he was writing to in that particular passage as saints. But here to this young man, this young preacher, he refers to him that you need to be a soldier. Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on this eternal life. And then he tells us over here in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 3, Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No man that warreth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who hath chosen him to be a soldier. I'm going to tell you something. It's a struggle. There's a real battle going on. There's real spiritual warfare going on tonight. There's real spiritual warfare going on in your life. And by the way, you can't see it. You can't see it. Now, I'm not trying to scare you all tonight, but we have all adults in here tonight. You know there are waves, there are, there are sound waves that's going through it. If we had the right kind of equipment, we could pick those sound waves up. We could hear what's going on, but we can't see it. It's the same in the spiritual realm. I'm going to tell you all something. I'm not trying to scare you. But if y'all just think everything's hunky-dory in this building right now and you think only angels are hovering around us, you're wrong. There's a whole lot more going on than that. The Bible tells us that we know that the devil is like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. There is a real spiritual struggle going on that is influencing the minds and the lives of men. The Bible also tells us that we're not, we're not, against, uh, spirit, we're not against flesh and blood. A lot of times we think we're in a, some type of a, an issue with an enemy and they've got flesh and blood on them. No, he says, no, you're not dealing with that. You're dealing with spiritual wickednesses in high places. I mean, that's scary stuff. That, that's not for the weak of heart. Uh, it's not for the faint. I'm telling you right now. And by the way, if you've ever been involved in this struggle and in this, I'm going to be honest, it'll wake you up sometimes in the middle of the night. 
I'm just telling you. He says, you got to get tough. You have to understand that there is a warfare going on here. He said, you have to endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. It's a struggle. It's a fight. It's aggressive. So what is a soldier? Just quickly as I close. A soldier, number one, if a soldier is going to be the right kind of soldier, they got to be a committed soldier. You don't, you don't have a good army unless you have a commitment. You know, I'm... I love to read about the Civil War. And there towards the end of the war, most of your southern soldiers had done given up. They'd done given up the cause. There were the, there was the many thousands that stayed with it. But most of the army, of, of the southern army, towards the end of the war, they started to, to leave the armies because they felt like it was a lost cause. And those armies, I mean, if there wouldn't have been so much straggling take place, uh, I, I truly believe the Army of Northern Virginia would still be fighting today. Amen? But they didn't have the resources. Plus, they didn't have the men. But many of them lost heart. Why? Because they seen it might have been a, well, no hope. So what did they do? They, they didn't stay committed. And I'm going to be honest with you. That's our greatest struggle, isn't it? We just, we, we're always trying to not stay committed. We're trying to get out from underneath things. And by the way, we all struggle with this. But we ought to stay committed. And by the way, a good soldier's trained. That's why it's so important that a good soldier, a good soldier is not going to be one that's just in and out of here all the time. They're going to be here as much as they can be because they know they need to be trained. They know that they can't just stay strong with one meal a week. It's going to get them up and out of their house. It's going to get them up from maybe looking at their calendar and scheduling some events outside and not let it affect the church and try to get here for special events. And because a good soldier knows, man, I need to be at that mission conference because, man, I need to get trained. I need to be at Sunday school because I need to get trained. I need to be at that Sunday morning service because I need to get trained. I need to be back on Sunday night because a good soldier is trained. I need to be back on Wednesday night because a good soldier is trained. Then he's equipped. A good soldier's equipped. I've never seen a good a country that sends out a well-equipped army or a good fighting force without equipping them. Say, all right, now go on out there and fight, and you've got to go find you a gun. Now, by the way, I will give you a little bit of history here. That did happen in World War II. The Battle of the Bulge was taking place, and the German army had busted through there in the Ardennes, and they sent the 101st Airborne, and many of them went to Bastogne without a weapon. Think of that. They didn't have enough weapons on hand, but this, those men of the 101st Screaming Eagles went anyway. That's amazing to me. And they found weapons, by the way, said so it didn't take long. We had weapons in our hands. Sadly, they picked them up off of another dead soldier. But I'm just telling you, no good fighting group goes out without equipped. And by the way, I'm going to say this. I believe with all that takes place in this church and all the ministries, the Sunday school lessons, by the way, the Eden School, the Bible that we have had in the past and things, there is enough equipping here going on that this should be an army in this church that is well equipped. I'll say this. I believe a soldier should be tough. But then as I close, I think about a soldier. I can't help. I was thought about him the other day. Have you, any of y'all ever heard of Carlos Hathcock? Carlos Hathcock was probably one of the most decorated um, snipers in our history of American warfare. He fought the Vietnam War. And uh, he passed away, but he fought the Vietnam War. And uh, I, you can watch an interview of him uh, on YouTube. You'll have to watch it in four parts. But I would encourage you to watch it. It's very interesting. 
And he worked down in Quantico and in Virginia, worked with a sniper school for years until he got sick because of Vietnam. He had some health difficulties because of the war, and he passed away. But it's a, he's a, he wrote a book. Uh, there was a biography on him. I've got the book. Uh, my brother-in-law, Mike Wood, um, was the first one that introduced me to him. But I love watching the interview. And I watched his interview. And uh, he was talking about these certain kills that he had. He had some long shots. And there was this one particular. He had to take out a Vietnamese uh, general. And he had to crawl uh, in enemy for, you know, it was an amazing thing. You, you just have to read it. They, but here's what amazed me. He said, they asked him, he said, uh, what would, what would be one of the things that you would train or teach a sniper if he's going to be a good sniper? And this was an amazing thing to me. I thought Carlos would say something like, uh, well, he need to make sure that he practices every day, he shoots his weapon. Uh, you know, all of the, the skill part of it, that's not what he said. He said, what makes a good sniper and a good soldier? Here's what he said, paying attention to detail. Paying attention to detail. Now, y'all listen to me. A good Christian pays attention to the details. See, it's the little details that normally causes the soldier to mess up. It's the fine print that you don't really pay attention to that the devil really uses. So God help us tonight. I praise God. I hope that we're all servants. We, why, Pastor Mark? We love our master. Yes, we're saints, we're beloved of God, but yes, we live in a day that also another title for the Christian is, is we got to be a good soldier and endure hardness. We ought to be trained, we ought to be loyal, we ought to be paying attention to the details. Why? Because we are in the greatest fight, not because we're fighting it well, but we're in the best fight that you can be involved in, that is spiritual fight. We are in warfare here, what? What are we dealing with? Life or death, not of things that are temporary. The only things, the only, only things, and I hate to even use the word things, that will live forever, have live forever, is people. And the last time I checked, when those buses roll down the road here tonight, and you're getting ready to go, Miss Janet, you're ready to roll. You know what you're going to be hauling? People. And by the way, those little children are going to live forever somewhere. So what we're involved in is extremely important. It really does mean life or death. We have to keep giving the gospel. Amen? Amen. We're saints, we're servants, we're soldiers. If you're a saint, soldier, and a servant, would you stand to your feet? You're ready to go on. If you're out there tonight listening online, God bless you. We love you. Thank you for tuning in. I hope you're a saint. Hope you're a soldier. Hope you're a servant. Let's ask God to help us tonight. Would you pray with me as I close and you pray and ask the Lord to deal with you however he sees fit. Heavenly Father, we thank you tonight for your goodness. We thank you for your grace. Now I pray that you will take these little truths and speak to our hearts and help us. Lord, I am thankful that I I don't deserve to be a saint, but Lord, I'm thankful that you love me. Lord, I'm thankful that I want to serve you out of love, not out of duty. And Lord, I pray you'll help all of us to be the right kind of soldiers in this day. We'll thank you for what you do, for we ask it in the precious name of Jesus Christ. Amen. God bless you tonight. Have a great night. And uh, make sure you're here on Sunday. Looking forward to a great Lord's Day. God bless you.